0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Robert Bryce. And he's an author and a journalist and basically an expert concerning all things energy. At least that's my perception. And Robert, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Well, thanks, Dan. I'm always happy to, always happy to talk to you. Flattered to be invited.
0: <laughs> um, energy. It seems to me... What little I'm able to observe, Robert, that the price of energy is on the increase. What's going on?
1: Well, a lot of things. Um, and uh, I'd start by saying be glad we don't live in Europe uh, because uh, what's happening in the U.S. is nothing compared to the disaster. It is an absolute self-inflicted disaster in Europe. Hmm. Uh, as I wrote in a piece that I published on uh, uh, New Year's Eve it's Europe's energy suicide. Um, but um, so but let me but we'll, we'll talk about Europe, but why are energy prices rising? Well, the snapback from the pandemic, although we're now, you know, going back into this Omicron craziness, and, and so mm-hmm. a lot of events are being canceled. But uh, I, I think the fundamental issue that is coming to to the fore now is what we're we're now seeing the results of several years of underinvestment in hydrocarbons and that underinvestment is due to a lot of factors uh one of course is climate activists uh you know trying to uh, restrain the flow of capital into the energy business some of it is the energy sector itself because they've had poor returns on invested capital over the last few years some of it is uh labor issues and and uh, not just not enough people working um and and you know that i was talking with uh you know i've been all over the country in the last few months and across the country people are saying we don't have enough people working we're we're looking right. for 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 people to work and so some of it is the covid hangover some of it is people you know taking government money and not working and some of mm-hmm. it is just people saying we don't want to do that kind of work but that, so there are multiple factors at play but the consumers are are the ones that are going to pay the price both here in the US and in Europe
0: yes you mentioned europe having a self-inflicted wound i wonder if we have uh, maybe perhaps to a lesser degree the same here
1: Well, I I testified before the U.S. Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. I was flattered to be invited in November – November 16th, uh, I testified, and uh, that was the the point that I made over and over, was the U.S. must not follow Europe's failed uh, failed policies. And what happened in Europe – and I I laid it out very clearly – Underinvestment in hydrocarbons. This, the European countries were in the are still in the thrall, unfortunately, of a lot of this uh, anti-hydrocarbon and and all renewables all the time. No nuclear. You know Sierra Club, Friends of the Earth, uh, Natural yes. Resources Defense Council, the usual suspects promoting this frankly insane energy policy that is claiming that oh all we need is renewables and efficiency. No, it's a lie. It's a big lie. It's the biggest lie of the modern era in terms of the energy and power sector. Yes and uh, that we cannot run the economy on renewables alone it does not work and
0: no.
1: so what i mean what are the issues in europe underinvestment in hydrocarbons overinvestment in renewables uh, premature closure of coal and nuclear plants and and reliance on imported energy and in particular uh uh russian natural gas it, it's just been a disaster from the beginning to the end and uh now europe is going to pay a very heavy price and the and the repercussions of this are going to be lasting in europe i i, I believe for years to come and it's going to be reflected in food prices energy prices energy poverty uh uh de it's it's a broad and and um uh, uh I, I say broad. I was going to say wide ranging. It's the both the same same thing. But I mean, it's just a disaster, and and it's all self inflicted.
0: Yes. Well, today we're talking with Robert Bryce. Uh, I consider an expert in en- all things energy, as I put it. Um, what's it like to testify before the Senate? Is it scary?
1: Well, i I'm, I'm I'll, I'll just put it plainly to you, Dan. I I you know I was flattered to be invited, and I thought. I'm going to give it my best shot, and I gave it my best effort, and it was a little intimidating. And But at the same time, it's the third time I testified before Congress in the last six months, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I testified before the Energy uh, Natural Resources Committee before in 2019, so I'd been there before, but it is a little intimidating, uh, to be honest with you. But I also just knew that if I, you know, if they asked me and I thought, well, you asked me, so I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give you exactly and tell you exactly what I think. And, yeah, sure. and, and, um, you know, if you had five minutes to talk to Joe Manchin, what would you say? And so that was how I approached it. And I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was proud of what I said and, and you can find my remarks there on my YouTube channel, Robert Bryce TV. You can f- find links on my website, robertbryce.com. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just ran through the entire uh, situation. I wasn't paid to go. No one paid my bills. I paid my own way and, and, uh, um, you know, was proud of what I was able to say. And, and, and I thought that the, the questions, I'm not a partisan here, but the questions from the Republican senators were really pretty good. The questions from the democratic senators I thought were, I mean, it, it just uninformed and, and, um, truly, uh, depressing in their lack of depth.
0: Now, and then a listener will contact us uh, regarding one of our interviews, and most of the time, they're all very positive. But once in a while, not all, but once in a while, somebody will kind of like swallow and say, Yeah, but you guys are being biased. And then I I thought the other day, you know what? You're right. I, I am biased. I'm biased toward the truth. And if it doesn't fit with a Republican, oh, you're
1: so old-fashioned, Elmendorf. What's or, wrong with
0: you? <laughs> or a you're Democrat, so out of step with you,
1: the modern I world. I am I
0: am. And and you know that that's really what matters to me, isn't it? I I I'm sure that matters to you as well.
1: Well, you know, the the numbers are the numbers. The physics are the physics, and the math right. doesn't doesn't lie. I I, I wrote a piece uh oh just over the weekend i published it on, on new year's eve and i quoted Rashid wallace i'm a big basketball fan and rasheed wallace used to play for the the uh, detroit pistons and he was volatile and you know and, a, and a, a really talented player but if he got called for a foul that he didn't think was right and he would uh, uh and then the other team would shoot a free throw and the player missed the free throw he would he would say very loudly ball don't lie and it was, like, it was like the ball had the message that this was an unjust yes. foul call, and therefore the ball was not going to go through because <laughs> the ball knew the truth. And yeah. so I've used that line uh, several times, but it's just to me, I, it, the numbers don't lie. The numbers are the numbers. And yeah. here's the reality is that you, the, the, we're in a world where it's very popular for the young people and, and activists to say, oh, we don't need coal, oil, and natural gas. Well. You think that, and you can claim that all day long, but the numbers don't lie. The reality is that our transportation sector relies almost 100%. It's little 98%. On, on diesel fuel, natural uh, yes. diesel fuel, gasoline, jet fuel, and, and that's not going to change. And it's not going to change for decades to come. No. And and when you look at the big picture in the United States, over 80%, it's 82, 83% of all the primary energy we consume comes from coal, oil, and natural gas. Wow. And it's not going to change for decades to come, Dan. And yet, these, these I don't call them environmental groups or green groups, these pressure groups, And they're giving hundreds of millions of dollars from from the biggest philanthropies in America to claim the same – it's a lie. It's a flat-out lie, what they say. And yet, they just continue to get just vast sums of money from some of the richest people in the world. It just staggers staggers the
0: mind. We see a lot of – you mentioned investments, but we see a lot of investments in um, acreage of uh, solar cells – um this this past week um these were all covered with snow in a lot of areas as as the big snowstorm came through and hit Washington DC and southern Maryland etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh what how do those <laughs> let me do a deep dive real, deep dive really quick how well do they work when they're covered with snow Oh,
1: oh, you're asking those hard questions. (laughs) You didn't warn me. (laughs) Oh, Their output was approximately zero. Uh, Might be less than zero. I'm not sure. But uh, no, I mean, this is one of the things that I I guess if you think about what the big picture, what's the real story here? Yeah, the big
0: picture. Yes.
1: If if let's assume climate change is okay, let's accept that climate change is happening, that we're going to see more extreme weather. If that's the case, then why in the world would we ever make our energy and power systems more dependent on the weather? If we're yes. going to see more extreme weather, why would we depend on the weather? Why would we stake our entire economy on the weather? Mm-hmm. And we already see what is happening and the results of that today in Europe, where they built a whole lot of wind capacity. And what happened, Reuters reported just before Christmas uh, that in uh, was it Denmark, Britain and Germany, they all saw the, the wind. They, they're facing wind droughts. You can put up as many solar mm-hmm. panels and as many wind turbines as you want. You can cover the entire continent of Europe with them if that's your goal. But you can't make the sun shine and the wind blow.
0: <laughs> that's true. Now what about this? This is also something that I don't think people think about. You know, electric cars. Well that's kind of novel. That's that's really cool, actually. I, I don't mind that. I'm an electrical engineer by training and it and it really is kind of cool, kind of a cool toy. But where does that power come from to charge the car? <laughs> Again, I don't think they think okay, about asking,
1: that. These, asking these hard questions here, Elmendorf, you're gonna really <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so I, I absolutely agreed. But, you know, it, it's even more fundamental than that. And I had a piece that was published in the Wall Street Journal on Christmas Eve. I was very pleased, flattered to be, you know, that they they ran the piece, making the, the very clear point that you can, again, you can stake the economy on the few, on the uh, on, on electric vehicles. Well, what is in those electric vehicles? What are the key commodities yes. that are, those electric vehicles need? It's rare earth elements for the permanent magnets in the electric motors. Who supplies the world with rare earth elements? It's China. Mm-hmm. And been, I wrote about this 11 years ago in my fourth book, Power Hungry. I had an old chapter about we're replacing this idea, oh, we're going to quit importing oil and instead we're going to run on electric cars. Well, you're replacing one kind of import dependency with another, and the import dependency is on the issue of China and rare earth elements. They control, according to the International Energy Agency, something like 85% wow. of the world's supply of the key elements, praseodymium, neodymium, uh, terbium, dysprosium, completely controlled, uh, effectively a monopoly by the Chinese. Well, I'm not a geopolitical strategist here, but the Chinese are not our friends. And, And the idea that we're going to stake the future of our auto sector, stake the future of Detroit, On imports from China. I mean, it's just who is the who's the strategist behind all this? This is this is foolishness of the first order. And yet this is the received wisdom.
0: Yeah. And I want to say also that they're not our friends because of the Chinese Communist Party. Because of the CCP, we know of Chinese people over there or who have come from over there, and they're very dear people, and they are my friend. But um, they're not communists.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and, And therein lies the key issue as well, not just with the issue of electric vehicles. But it's also wind energy and solar energy. Yes. The, these, the biggest new wind turbines, offshore wind turbines, the, according to the International Energy Agency, each of these new big wind turbines will require something on their two, two to three tons of rare earth elements each. Oh, wow. wow well, that's and so a lot. Then we, oh, oh, solar panels. You love solar. Okay, well, fine. Well, then each, uh, uh, nearly half of the world's supply of polysilicon has been coming out of Xinjiang uh, China the mm-hmm. province of Xinjiang. Well what's going on in Xinjiang? Well the US government just recently imposed sanctions on 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 imports of polysilicon from Xinjiang why? Because of the genocide and that is the word that was used by the US State Department. Mm-hmm. Because of the genocide the Chinese government is committing against the Uyghur Muslim yes, yes. community in Xinjiang. So, you know, I, I wrote a piece in Forbes I published just before the new year asking, well, how much slave labor is okay for you to include it and still call it clean energy? Yes. I mean, what, what is the, what's the right percentage? Is it was it just 1%? Oh, is it 5% or 45? You know, it's, it's not a rhetorical question. It is a direct question to the heart of this issue around yeah. – All of these claims about clean energy and clean power, well, how clean is it if you're relying on slave labor? How clean it is, <laughs> right. is! It if you're relying on a repressive regime that has has not been forthcoming about COVID. They're they're not they have not been our friends or are, are, are in favor of free free trade on the on the open oceans in terms of the South China Sea. Oh, of course, they're not. still threatening Taiwan. I mean, this is let's get real. Let's talk about what is really happening instead of this make believe around you know, oh, this is free energy. No, it's not. There's no such thing.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. You're going early here. You're, I'm going off. Today, our guest is Robert Bryce, author, journalist, and expert on things energy related. Uh, Robert, can we talk a little bit now about nuclear? Um, some people are genuinely afraid of nuclear because of the waste material. Um, I, I happen to be to be pro-nuclear, um, can you tell us what you are, and, and is it something that we should be doing in America?
1: Uh, I'm adamantly pro-nuclear. I'm, I've said it many times. If you're anti-nuclear and anti-carbon dioxide, you're pro-blackout. I, I'm, I'm anti-blackout. Believe mm-hmm. me, I was blacked out in February of last year for 45 hours, along with my wife here in Austin. If we're serious about climate, even if we're not, even if you take the climate issue off of the table, the future has to be. In, 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 in nuclear. It just mm-hmm. has to be because w- w- there isn't enough land to accommodate all the wind turbines and solar panels. There isn't enough rare earth elements to be, and, and polysilicon to, to power the world with, with wind and solar. And so if you're, if we're serious about providing power to the people, we have to be serious about nuclear energy. It, it, it's clear on, on so many different levels. and But the fundamental one is the footprint, the resource intensity of any other kind of, of power production for is far greater than what is required for nuclear energy. It's just it, the facts are clear. There's just no denying, again, the numbers. Yes. The, back to Rashid Wallace. In the, the ball don't lie.
0: <laughs> and so that footprint is important. So a nuclear plant doesn't take that much space, apples to apples to other technologies.
1: Well, and this and this is key. And one of the, you know, I, I the blackout changed me, Dan. I, I got to say, when after being blacked out here in Austin on February fifteenth of last year, it made me see these issues in a different light uh, or lack of light, um, yes. because. I thought no wait a minute no this isn't just about kind of you know idle policy no this is the very heart of our civilization that we depend on the electric grid it is the most important energy network in our society mm. all of the key networks in our society depend on the electric grid traffic lights with the water systems uh communications navigation all of these things depend on reliable abundant electricity and yet we're monkeying around with it in this in this um a piecemeal manner without any understanding of of what it means to have and or not have electricity and have it reliable and so i've i've really um, I, i'd say the right word is it's radicalized me in terms yes. of saying no, this is the absolutely the heart. This is the qu- this is there is no more important uh, question in front of us than the reliability of, of, of our uh, and resilience of our electric grid. And yet, yeah. it's being it's being attacked, it's being undermined, actively undermined by the Sierra Club, by the Natural Resources Defense Council, and and why? Because they're they're aiming at closing our most important power plants, the yes. nuclear power plants, and to finally getting back to your question on the footprint. So what happened in, in April of last year was the closure of Indian Point, the final reactor at Indian Point. Well, that one reactor, well, or no, that one plant, it was on the, it's on the banks of the Hudson River. It covered one square kilometer. 2,000 megawatts of power coming from a footprint of one square kilometer, just to replace it on a par basis, just to replace that 16 terawatt hours or so of electricity that was coming from Indian Point, would require something on the order of 1,300 to 1,500 square kilometers. A thousand times more land oh my. from wind.
0: That's very than telling.
1: Would, than it would require from nuclear. And yet they closed it down and why because of the natural resources defense council which who, who's the former boss of the natural resources defense council gina mccarthy where does she work now in the biden administration mm-hmm. i mean it just it, it, the corruption here and the and the betrayal of the public trust is i i, I get worked up about it pretty much every time no. I talk about it because the, because the betrayal is so deep
0: yes it really is and today we're talking with Robert Bryce. And before I forget, Robert, if someone wants to read more, uh, can you tell what your website is so they can go and learn more?
1: I Well, gladly, yes, of course. Uh, RobertBryce.com is my website. Um, my latest book is called A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. I have a new film out. It's called Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. Uh, I have a podcast, the Power Hungry Podcast, which is available wherever fine podcasts are distributed um, so yes i'm I'm omnipresent you can't escape me
0: <laughs> now. my mind is starting to drift to something else I think that will uh you'll resonate to with also, and that is uh, emergency communications and hospitals. Uh, you mentioned a blackout um, now every communication site this is something that I've experienced site that I've been to up on the mountaintops every single one that that's serious you know that's 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 <laughs> that's a good site um, has a backup generator usually multiple backup generators um, Many times it's diesel powered and sometimes it's propane powered but either case um, these are hydrocarbons and if it wasn't for that, um, the 911 communication system would go down. Police, fire, all of these responders, all of it would go down. I can't tell the public how important it is to have hydrocarbon-based generators up on these mountaintops. And you might say, well, what about batteries in a great big UPS bank? You know what? I've seen that. I've seen it at a site I can't disclose, but it's a head end. And there's a lot of important equipment there. Uh, We actually rent some space. However, um, those UPSs can't run forever. When you have a grid that's gone down, they fizzle out after a certain amount of time, maybe an hour if you're lucky. Uh, But then the diesel generator kicks in. And so every single site of importance has this. Any comments?
1: Well, uh, yes, of course. Um, you know, I, I can talk about this stuff all day. No. Uh, the, the batteries, batteries stink. <laughs> batteries, <laughs> batteries stink. They yes. always stinked, stunk, stank. Yes, um, y- y- you know, I, I, when it last year I mentioned we being uh, blacked out eleven months ago. Well, okay, so batteries, fine, batteries. Let's set aside the issue of cobalt and the fact that that, effectively slave labor is used in the Democratic Republic of Congo uh, to produce cobalt. And let's ignore the fact that something like 60% of the world's cobalt supply is controlled by China. Okay, let's set that aside. If you need a battery, well, okay, what everyone talks about is a four-hour battery. Okay, well, my lights were out for 45 hours, not (laughs) four hours. And and so yes, you look at what's happening in California, where the electric grid there is is being has been undermined and has been fact been effectively, um, I wouldn't say destroyed, but the the resilience and reliability, the affordability, of the uh, the California power grid has been undermined for years by government by in, in, by increasing government failures to understand the importance of the grid. Well, what's happened? A report that came out. Last year, pointed out then that in the South Coast Air Quality Man- Management District in Southern California, over the last year alone, the number of diesel-fired backup generators, standby generators, went up 30% in one <laughs> year, Dan, in yeah. one year. So consumers are saying, oh, well, the grid isn't reliable. What are we going to do? Well, we'd better buy a generator. Look oh, sure. at the sales of Generac, one of the backup the, 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 the manufacturers. Of, 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 I wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal in September. Their sales are up; th- they're through the roof. Their waiting list is months long. The pr- stock price is up fourfold over the last year or so. People are looking at the grid and they're saying, "This isn't working. We're gonna have to get our- We're gonna have to rely on ourselves." And yeah. so, this is effectively an energy tax that is being uh, de- being put onto the economy because of this un- uh, this failure to understand the need for resilience and reliability on the electric grid.
0: Yeah, and one more um, important element in our society, of course, is hospitals, and those hospitals must have power twenty four by seven. Imagine being in an emergency room, or imagine having a critical operation on your heart. The power goes out, the lights go out, and they have to say, "Oh well, let them die." This is very uh, this is very practical um, power to hospitals. Any comments of, on that?
1: Well, sure. You you made a good point that all of these these critical infrastructure systems um, or or networks, um, the cellular uh, systems, the um, uh, hospitals, um, they have their own backup generators because they know that the grid. It's not a question of if the grid will go down. It's a question of when. So they want Correct. to make sure that they have standby power systems that can step in at data centers you know amazon google microsoft oh, yeah. they don't they, they they've created their own electric grids they've they haven't seceded from the the big grid, but they have their own grids, sure but yes of course, and what do they what do they rely on? liquid hydrocarbons, they rely on diesel fuel yes. and big honking V8s <laughs> made by or V12s or V16s made by Caterpillar, Cummins, um, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. That's they right. rely on internal combustion engines. They're not saying, oh yeah, batteries, we love batteries. No, they have, they'll have batteries so that it will work for a few minutes, maybe even a few hours. Correct. But what, when, when push comes to shove, what do they want? They want a big honking diesel gen set out there that they can rely <laughs> on every day.
0: That's exactly right, and I've seen it in, in the various facilities that I've visited. Well, we're just about out of time. If you wanted to leave our listeners with a piece of advice, we're talking today with Robert Bryce. He's been all over, talking about energy, seeing things, witnessing even nuclear reactors working. Um, what what guidance, what advice could you give the listening public today?
1: Um. Well, one, I guess, would be read and be skeptical that, the, the, you know, it's easy. You know, it, you can take my word for a lot of this stuff if you like, but don't you don't have to believe me. In fact, you know, do your own work. This is one of the key things that I think one of the, the, the key reasons why the public has been lulled into this or gold rather uh, of this idea that we can use renewables alone is that there's the, we, 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 the general public is scientifically illiterate and innumerate. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say that with any you know joy, but it's just simply true. People just don't understand basic physics and they don't do math well, and so there's the you know these 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 con artists, these these charlatans can come to the fore and be in the public sphere and say, oh well, we can do all this. We, all we just need is, oh well, you we only need this you know a, you know a few states sized land for solar and wind, and we'll make it all work. Yeah. Educate yourself. That's <laughs> I was going to say one thing. Educate yourself.
0: That's well put. Educate
1: yourself. Know your math. Know your physics.
0: Yep. Someone once said, those who read, lead. (laughs) I kind (laughs) of like that little. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us today, Robert Bryce. It's always a joy to talk with you. Uh, May God bless you and your good work. And uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's very kind. Thanks, Dan.
0: Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.